Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. Um, it is just me, Becky, for this episode. Leah was unfortunately unable to join me, uh, but she'll be back next time. And for this episode, I am super excited to be chatting with debut author Maisie Eddings. Maisie Eddings is a neurodiverse author, dentist, and most importantly, stage mom to her cats, Yaya and Zaddy. She can most often be found reading romance novels under her weighted blanket and asking her boyfriend to bring her snacks. She made it her personal mission in life to destigmatize mental health issues and write love stories for every brain. With her roots in Ohio and North Carolina, she now calls Philadelphia home. Her debut novel, A Brush with Love, is being published by St. Martin's Press. Welcome to the podcast, Maisie. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just like so excited to be here and chat with you. <laughs> well, so this episode will drop on March the 6th. So your book will have been officially published and out in the world for six days. So how are oh you doing? God. Are you like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how March 6th uh, Maisie is doing, but I'm, I'm okay. Um, I go through like periods of immense calm and then I'm like, oh my God, what, what is happening? Like, I can't believe I have an actual book that's going to be read by people out there in the world. So, you know, it is just uh, a myriad of emotions going through me. <laughs> I get it. Um, so we want to get to know you as a reader, uh, because in your bio, you clearly state that you love romance and that is what buzzing about romance is kind of all about is about romance um so first off how'd you fall in love with romance oh my god I mean what's there not to love I think I, you know okay this is really funny when I was when I was little like my first introduction to kind of like romantic subplots and stuff was um Philippa Gregory novels and she wrote like a ton of like tutors books and stuff um and they all ended in beheadings because we know like what King Henry VIII did blah 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 but um you know that was like my hook into the romance genre and then I just slowly made my way through it and um I've kind of been addicted ever since um I I love my biggest like romance subgenres are historical romance and contemporary and then I dabble in paranormal but um yeah I mean I just think it's so cool to get to see different people falling in love in countless different ways through all the stories and stuff. So it's the best genre, like hands it down. Is, I think, and I do think that there's like this, everyone's like, well, I kind of get my start in historical romance. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I got my start. I yep. stole my mom's Jude Devereaux and <laughs> slowly went down um, that long rabbit hole. And I'm <laughs> a little older than you are. So <laughs> You no, know, I've read all your stuff. Don't worry. I was like, I've been, you know, everyone's like, you read all those Jude Devros. I'm like, yeah. And they're bonkers in today's, yeah. with today's eyes, they don't read the same. No. Um, <laughs> that's like, uh, there's one that's a Jude Devereaux, uh, The Enchanted Land. Oh, maybe I haven't read that one. <laughs> I don't know um, that one. <laughs> Dubious Consent. Yikes. Totally kidnapping, arranged marriage of mm. convenience, sort of. Um, <laughs> Convenient for who? <laughs> yeah, it it like travels from Texas to Texas, uh, revolutionary Texas to um, the mining in San Francisco and the boom oh of the gold mine of San Francisco and 
She's a prostitute. <laughs> she sold it like a prostitute auction, and it's oh it, my, it is God. super bonkers. <laughs> and I read that. I think I was like fifteen because it was published I, in like seventy eight. So, <laughs> like I read it in early nineties, and I'm like, oh, I don't oh know my. if I should read this. <laughs> but to this day, I still think about it because it is super bonkers. Of course. I mean, like the most bonkers plots like always stick with us, right? Like it's like, I mean, that's what draws us in. And we're like, wait, are they all like this? Like what's going on here? Right. Like what is this genre? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joanna Lindsay has one that was written in the early 80s at the height of the aphrodisiac movement. And it's called <laughs> Secret Secret Flame or Secret <laughs> Fire. I don't know. She's like covered in fur and somebody shared it in a step back on a Saturday and on Instagram, and I was like, have you read this book? They're like, no, we just really like the cover. And I'm like, yeah, there's zero consent in this book ever. So again, <laughs> kidnapping, sex drugs, yeah. do not I read 100%, that. <laughs> I have that step back where he has like the giant sword. Is that the one? No, that's a different oh. one. That's like Hearts of Flame or something or Hearts oh, of Fire. Okay. Oh, excuse me. My yeah. bad. Like, I, I don't read need them to all. The first. <laughs> Because honest to God, Joanna Lindsay in her day, I mean, she's an awesome storyteller. You know, the Mallory's and the Pirates, and they're fantastic. But she was her own persona. The stories that are out and about of her in the world. Like, I want, I'm not a romance author. I work as a copy editor. I fix your words. That is my job. I'm not writing your words. I will fix them. Um, But I want to be her. Like there are stories of her in the nineties going to RWA retreats in Hawaii. Cause that's where she lived. Yeah. She'd show up at the hotel. She had emphysema, but still smoked like a pack of cigarettes a day, wore Stop. furs all year long. Oh my God. And oh she would God. sit up at the bar and she'd light her cigarette with her glass of scotch in front of her and the bartender there's a great story the bartender's like you can't smoke in here she's like do you know who i am he's like no you can't (laughs) smoke in here and she's got like her nasal cannula on of her oxygen god and she's like she looks at him she goes i'm joanna Lindsay," and he's like okay you still can't smoke in here and she continued to smoke in the bar like i but she did stuff like that all the time oh my god what a legend like truly Don't you want to be that though? Don't you want to be like, I've hit the height of my genre. Yeah. I would love, I I would love to have that kind of badassery. I would love to like get to go to Hawaii for something with my job. Like, honestly, it's so like, the bar is so low, but. (laughs) I mean, I would just like to make it out of Ohio. I'm from Ohio. I am from Ohio. Um, I live in Northwest Ohio, South of Toledo. Oh, okay. I'm from Cleveland originally. Okay. Well, my husband is from Cleveland and we spent a lot of time in there. Our son, um, uh, our son had a liver transplant. And so, uh, pretty much, I mean, Cleveland clinic, downtown Cleveland, but he grew up in Minor Headlands. My husband did. Oh my gosh. Right there. Yep. (laughs) Yep. We know all the, we know all the Ohio-ness. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So do you have like a comfort read? Do you have a go-to genre or trope that just, you know, that, you know, when you read that trope or that book, if you have a specific book, you know, what some of my, okay, honestly. So I have like comfort authors, I think, um, Tessa Dare is a huge one. Like, I think her books are truly like historical romance, but they also like are historical 
romance comedies, I feel like. She does such a good job with being super witty. And like, I, I just always feel like I'm leaving her books with a warm hug. And especially with um, The Duchess Deal, where we have Ash, who is, I think, single-handedly the most extra hero I've ever read. Like, he's playing indoor badminton. Like, he is so extra. Like, he's like a vigilante walking around. I, I love that book so much. And then... Um, also a week to be wicked which is just like one of my favorites i return to that one over and over again um and in spindle cove in general i feel like is is a very comfort place to go to um and then i have like lisa claypis i think is just like a goddess of of romance um so i love returning to her novels and devil in winter might be like my most reread book um, yeah like, so you are a rereader so you are oh a my god Big time, big time. Like, well, I heard this thing that like people with anxiety tend to reread and rewatch um, shows because you know what's going to happen. So you can be very comfortable in like immersing yourself into the experience. And so like, that is my camp right there. (laughs) Well, and I feel like when you reread, for me in particular, I went through for a very long stretch because of kids in life and my son and his diagnosis, we, um, we didn't have a lot of extra money to mm-hmm. buy books. So, you know, you're reliant on your library system and you're reliant on books you already own. And mm-hmm. I reread like all the old Julie Garwood historical and I reread, um, you know, all, I think I've read Julia Quinn. Now I like the Smith Smythe cousin yes! better yes! than Bridgington. <laughs> That's like my jam a little bit more. I, I love them. Those are like, those are just so, like, what is even the conflict in that series? They're so lovely. <laughs> they're just so lovely. And I think that they're better characters. Like they're more like rounded characters because they're kind of hitting things at different levels. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But I found myself like when we would, and actually in the midst of his actual like transplant, mm-hmm. Judith McNaught's historicals, finally ended up digital she was one of the last old school historical romance authors to put her back because she had passed so finally her estate had put her books digital and Whitney my love I know not everyone loves it but it is that is my all-time favorite that's my comfort read like give me Whitney and devil because she's such a brat oh I know I such a brat and she and I love that Dicks it to him and he deserves it. Yes. Like, I, I I love a good Brad and romance. <laughs> yes, me too. So I get it. Like you, but you're right. In high stress, high anxiety times. Like mm-hmm. I had a moment a couple about a month ago and I started re-watching West Wing. Yeah. Nice. I've watched that series a million times, but there's yeah. just something comforting. Mm-hmm. No, I totally feel you. I'm like New Girl is my um comfort rewatch on like That's Netflix a good and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then like romance novels in general are just so like safe and comforting in the sense that you know you're gonna get that happy ending and everything. Right. So and it has to have the happy ending. And I will to. fight to the end on that one. <laughs> that is the hill I'll die on. No it is. questions. Asked. Same. Same. Yeah. We'll be right there together. You and yep, me. You and I. <laughs> arm in arm. I'm like, every once in a while, you know, and I have a love-hate relationship with book talk. Like, mm-hmm. it's more hate than love. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's more hate than love. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And every day, I must have my algorithm so tailored, though, 
Because I only hear about the drama like second, third, and fourth hand. Like oh I don't actually God. experience it. Um, but I do get kind of frustrated with it because some someone will be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really have to have an ETA. Um, what? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's just genre fiction then if it doesn't. Yeah. Like, and what? that's okay. But yeah, that's fine. But just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know. honest, you know, I don't say his name, but there's a certain male yeah. author. I know that, exactly who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Like his story, like every time I get on Amazon and I see like their top sales list yeah. and you look at the romance category and his sits there, mm-hmm. I just want to stab someone. Like I am <laughs> like pulled to violence. I, oh my God. I refer to him as the devil or Satan. Everybody laughs oh at me. The hate runs deep. It I love does. It. Well, years ago I took a creative writing workshop from Jennifer Cruzy who writes kind of on the line of women's fiction and Mm -hmm. um, romance. Some of her stuff is very, very romance. Some of it's just kind of, it would fall more into line. Like I would think like to me, like love hypothesis was a little more Mm -hmm. on the fiction side than on the romance side. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of the nature of the journey of the story. Mm -hmm. And um, Jennifer kind of writes like that. And yeah. I took a creative writing workshop from her once because she used to be a professor at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And um, she she railed for like a good 45. It was a two-day workshop, 45 <gasps> minutes. Like there's like 200 people in this and she's just ripping. And I'm like, oh, someone doesn't like somebody. And then I did my oh. own research and I'm like, yeah, no wonder she was like. I am weak. Oh my God. Go Jennifer. Right. <laughs> so funny. So funny. It is so funny. And if you are from Ohio and you haven't read Jennifer Cruzy, I highly suggest you do because oh. some of her books take place in her made up small towns in Ohio. Yes, I know. They're so, I mean, I feel like those are pretty bonkers too sometimes and they're Fair. so fun. Like, Welcome to Temptation so- is one of my favorites with the stolen art and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm like so funny who steals art Um, (laughs) Maisie do you have a favorite type of hero in romance okay I'm gonna be honest I so there's two types that I like I uh well no no no, that's not true I'm like very open to all heroes um you know I try not to discriminate (laughs) but I I really do love um like a cinnamon roll hero um like that's that's huge catnip for me and I I think I love seeing that because it's kind of like a friendly reminder of like um that that men can be soft and like you know and and very um beta and I I love that um and seeing that in the novels that I read um if I'm gonna read an alpha I tend to want them to be like so like overtly dramatic that it's ridiculous and everybody knows it's ridiculous like like um Dane in um Lord of Scoundrels where it's like so over the top drama and like you know optics and blah 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 where it's like you're you're cackling at the attempts to be like that and then underneath it all they're just a big softy yeah I like an alpha hole like a true like (laughs) but I married the nice guy and I've been married to the nice guy for like almost 23 years I adore him and I like a nice guy he's not a beta but he's a nice 
I'd say he's a little bit of a cinnamon roll hero. He is a nice guy. And, um, but I do like to read about the alpha holes just because sometimes they're just so ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, how has no one punched you in the face? Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And especially like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like you're reading them and you're like, you're so angry that you like, like them. You're like, yes. damn it. Why? Why do I like you so much? I like to hate you. I, I love yeah. the prompt like there for a while. It was, is there a fictional character you would punch if you could and i'm like yes i have a list yeah and they're all alpha holes <laughs> but i still yeah. read them i don't know of course it's fun it's like really indulgent so why an author because you actually are trained as a dentist so do you still yeah. work as a dentist yeah I, what's funny is i am um i'm a dental student actually so i graduate in may and then i'm gonna be a practicing dentist which i'm super super excited about um but yeah it's been like a weird twisty turvy um career path obviously um i started writing my first year of dental school uh mainly because i was like really stressed i was really anxious i was I couldn't sleep like I had really bad insomnia so I was reading a romance a day and then I just felt really inspired to write writing is always something that I've loved but I never had like confidence in in doing as a profession or like any belief that I could actually write something worth reading um and so I, yeah these these characters popped into my head and they wouldn't shut up and so I was like okay I'll write your story like let's go and it was the first full-length novel um I ever finished and I, I had done like some short stories before that. Um, and then I fell so in love with their journey that I was like, well, I guess I'm just gonna like see how far I can take this. Um, and yeah, it, it's been so it's been so wonderful and amazing. And, and so I'm continuing to do both full time right now. Um, that is not easy. Dental school is not for <laughs> slackers. No, <laughs> at all. No. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been hard. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's been really hard. Um, It's really time consuming. I feel really lucky that I have. um, I have a partner that like, lets me dive headfirst into these fictional worlds and everything and like is super supportive of that. And so my weekends are like heavily dedicated to writing my my nights and stuff. Um, So I'm super, super fortunate in that sense. Um, But no, it hasn't been easy, but writing makes me so happy and I feel so fulfilled that I just like um, I'll do whatever it takes to carve out time for it. <laughs> well, and it does make it easier when you have a, um, partner that, yeah. uh, is supportive of you, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, cause yeah. I work a day job. My husband works a day job and at night he helps me do this and he's yeah. our producer and our editor. So for you to have that, that person that is willing to mm-hmm. be like, I got you, I got yeah. you. I'll take care yeah. of this. You right. Yeah. What makes you happy? So I mean, that's a big deal. It is. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I feel very, very fortunate. Um, we're going on like nine years in September too. So yeah, I'm just feeling like all the love for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, and cause that's another question. I was curious why you chose to go the traditional route with publishing because as an individual, it can sometimes be difficult to make the decision. Do I go the indie route? Do I push this myself? Cause you don't, no one knows your work better than you do. 
Mm-hmm. But to traditional publish is not easy. You have mm-hmm. to secure an agent who then has to query your manuscript, yep. who then has to bring you all that stuff. And so um, what what made your choice for you to go the traditional route? Because it is neither way is easy. Neither mm-hmm. like to do, you know, to do an indie published or traditional published. Neither is easy to put a book mm-hmm. out there is hard, period. Um yeah. But you do have to kind of jump through a lot of hoops for traditional for sure. publish. Yeah, I think so. A big um, so uh, at the time, I felt very determined that I wanted to get my book out there, right? And so I think I originally pursued the traditional publishing route because um, I didn't immediately so because I'm a dental student, I'm living on a very student budget. So, um, you know, my money is tight and I live in a big city. So like everything's so expensive and all of that stuff. Um, and so it, it wasn't necessarily like super accessible for me to, to self-publish in a way that I think I would have wanted to do where, you know, you pay, like, I would have wanted to pay for cover art that's like really um, unique and like, and pay an artist to do that, which, um, and I think artists need to be paid for the work Absolutely. that they create and everything. Um, and and then, you know, putting in a marketing budget and all that stuff. And I, I have so much respect for um, indie and self-pubbed um, authors because they they put so much into that work and into that marketing and I kind of knew you know balancing it with dental school like writing was hard enough I didn't necessarily have the bandwidth to write and then fully market myself um like be my sole marketer and stuff like that and so I wanted to at least try to pursue the traditional route um I felt very determined that I wanted to put this book out um and so if it hadn't like been picked up the traditional way um I I would have gone the indie route um but yeah again like I I kind of recognize my own limitations with like time and just you know bandwidth and and kudos and kudos to you for doing that because I think I think sometimes, particularly in a day and age where instant gratification is becoming a little bit more of the norm for us, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to write your book. Well, I don't mean it's easy to write your book, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's easy to be like, okay, I'm just going to push this out there and what happens happens and I'm going to get feedback and it's going to be, and yeah. the traditional publishing is a longer route. It's a lot sure. more intricate and I don't know when you signed your deal, um, but I work in the industry and I know that it's, you know, you probably signed your deal two to 18 months, two years to 18 months ago. I, I signed my deal with my editor in July, 2020, um, yeah. after, after a revise and resubmit. So I had been on sub since, uh, February 15th, 2020. So I was on sub for a really long time. Um, and I signed with my agent in October, 2019 and I, I finished the book in June, 2019. So like, I, yeah, somebody recently asked me like, how old were you when you finished the first book? And I like literally could not think of my age. I was like trying to do math. I was like, I don't even know at this point. Like it's been, yeah, you're right. It's, it is a longer journey. It's a longer journey. And it's, and again, it's not easier either way. Um, Mm -hmm. And you do, you have a lot of different hurdles. They're just different. Yeah. Hurdles in traditional publishing to hurdles to to indie are just different. They're not good or bad. Um, Mm -hmm. But it makes sense in your situation because gosh, you're a dental student. 
And that's a high demanding job. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> well, and traditional publishing, I think too, is it's, you know, and, and I don't know how much your agent, who your agent is or who they communicated, how they communicated with you, but there's some rejection that comes with that oh, and harshness. God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to, to be completely frank, like, I mean, first of all, I was, I was rejected by a lot of agents in the process. I, it's so funny. Um, my like first, I sent out like three query letters to agents around the same time. And I got my first rejection in like 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my God. I like, <laughs> you know, I was laughing at the time because I think I was like, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, and, and yeah, I mean, it was like, which is, which is totally fine. And like, um, and I received a lot of rejections along the way. And I'm so thankful for the ones that weren't just like a form letter where it was offering feedback on like what could be different or stronger and everything. And then I originally signed with uh, Kelly Martin at Wendy Sherman and Associates. And um, Kelly has since moved on to a different role in publishing outside of um, being an agent. And I work with uh, Courtney Miller Callahan at um, Handspun Lit now. But but Kelly and I, um, we went on sub together two weeks before the world shut down with the pandemic. And it was, you know, it was so anxiety inducing. And I got a ton of rejections from editors. And I feel very thankful because like the, the feedback that we received for the most part was really kind, really positive. And like, I, I do feel like it has made me, um, it's something I internalized and I feel like has made me a better writer. Um, but by the point that I was finally like picked up by my current editor, it was on a revise and resubmit. So she had originally rejected it. She said, I really loved the voice though. Like, would you be willing to do this? And so I revised, I rewrote the last 100 pages, added a bunch of front stuff. Um, and it was kind of our last hope because we were going to go off submission if she didn't accept it. And like, and thank God, like, I'm so thankful that she did. And, and now I get to write, I, you know, I'm contracted for five books at this point. Congratulations. So, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you. The first, the original deal was for two. And then, um, cause I had already written the second one while I was waiting. Like that was my, I guess, stress reliever during the submission process. Um, so I turned that in pretty fast. And then, so about six months after, uh, she, she utilized her option and so I have um one more in like the same brush with love world coming out um in a year from now and then a YA uh which features an autistic hero and an ADH heroine which is so fun um and then I'm writing a sapphic like holiday rom-com um coming out in 2023 um but yeah so it it sorry I'm like all over no the place. it's great it's <laughs> we're I, usually yeah, all I, over the place it's fine I know. <laughs> I just, I feel very, I feel very grateful, um, for the rejections that I received because I do think it's made me a better writer and, and it was hard and it made my, my skin a lot thicker and, you know, God, it was so painful, like at the beginning, but yeah. overall I, I understand. It's not easy and it's not easy to put yourself out there. And now a brush with love is going to come out on March 1st mm -hmm. and you know, it is it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, um, one thing, you know, I've only been in publishing since 2019. Oh. Um, previous to that, I was a stay at 
<laughs> mom and this is not my background i kind of lucked into a job and I it's gone off it. to what it is um but you know i always say to any author i work with and i work for a, one of the big five now and i was like i'm always like stay out of the reviews just stay mm -hmm. away from them especially now your launch day is going to be great but yeah. like thursday friday saturday sunday yeah. don't do it don't do yeah. it be busy yeah. just be very yeah. busy yeah. oh know, truly it's yeah. ha it's hard it is hard to put your work out there especially because so one of the things that's really amazing about this book is its own voice rep so you yourself are neurodiverse mm -hmm. and um and the character in this book the heroine mm -hmm. she is also yeah. neurodiverse yeah. Mm -hmm. and um and i'll get to it but really honestly his mother drove me bonkers <laughs> farah yeah i know i know <laughs> she drove me bonkers um i was I actually know. having a conversation with my own girl child about her Never has a secondary character. I mean, there are characters that drive you a little yeah. nuts. Yeah. Like, she drove me bonkers. <laughs> bonkers. Um, I know. Okay. I know. But yeah. Your Farrah importance is... of your own voice rep. You don't have to tell about Farrah because I don't want to spoil the book for anybody. Yeah. I want everybody to go out and check this book out and read it and give it a shot. Um, but it's own voice rep for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have an anxiety disorder. I have like all kinds of fun stuff. I'm autistic. I'm ADHD and, um, I suffer from anxiety and depression. Um, and they're very just like, to me, it's not like a lot of people get uncomfortable talking about that. Right. Um, and like, or get uncomfortable hearing when I like say that. Um, but to me, it's like, just as simple as like, I have green eyes or like, I, you know, it, it's just a part of who I am. Um, but I wanted to, I was, when I wrote the book, I was having really, really bad, um, anxiety personally. And I wanted to explore like this idea of both like suffering from a mental illness and kind of the, the pain and adversity that comes with that, but also show profound joy and love and, and laughter and like learning to love yourself and opening yourself up to being, being loved by others. So, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, it was like deeply personal, which makes it, you know, scary. It's so scary to put it out into the world. But um, it, more than anything, I'm just like grateful for the chance to to kind of offer that representation. I love it. I love it. I think, you know, no one's story is exactly the same and no one fits into a box. Mm -hmm. And, you know it is really important that every story gets a voice. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're trying to do that and that you, because again, like you said, it's personal. These are mm -hmm. your, some of these are, this is not only are these your words that you wrote, but mm -hmm. you have, you, I mean, to be honest, you probably put a little bit of yourself into all these characters. Yeah. I think it's impossible to write a book and not put pieces of yourself somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's inherently like a very um, vulnerable, you know, and and like soul searching process and stuff. <laughs> well, and you know, with that though, also comes the fact that it shows your own personal power and your own personal mm -hmm. strength. Because hey, look, I accept and love who I am, and I feel like these are stories that are valid and need to be told, and I'm willing to risk 
<laughs> to give voice. And so I think that that I think anybody that champions themselves and can put themselves out there on that line that good for you. Because oh my god, you're gonna make me cry. Well, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> no, because I won't. I won't. I'll try not I to. I just, <laughs> you know, I often like, uh, you know, just my own life circumstances. I see things mm-hmm. and I witness things and you know i am i am a plus-sized woman and you know for a long time i didn't think love for me was possible so when i see a plus-size romance i am gobbling that sucker up i love that i love that there you know i have um people in my life that i love that are queer and i like that i can hand them a book and know Mm -hmm. that it's written it's a queer romance. It shows very broad, wide, happily ever afters and written by people that are living that life or that, yeah. you know, have someone that they love within that life. And so I love that. And I think that it's amazing that you are taking that love of yourself and saying, okay, look, I love me. I am lovable. <laughs> I want you to love this too. Um, and that shows empowered. That's it's incredible power. Oh my God, you totally get it. I'm gonna, <laughs> like, sorry, I'm like, don't so, like emotional right now. No, in a lot of ways, like writing from this, you know, it, so often, um, I think like either, either characters that are neurodiverse or, um, you know, deal with a mental illness are so often like portrayed in a way that's like very trauma porn if that makes sense and like um yeah so it was just like really important to show them like that yeah that they deserve to be the main characters of of a story and stuff and so yeah I just feel very very humbled and like honored to get to do (laughs) this and keep doing it (laughs) yeah well and it's not it's not perfect um I don't mean your book but I just mean like the publishing world is not perfect with giving voice to everybody but I will say we are doing so much better yeah. <laughs> than we were even five years ago. Seriously. With yeah. our own rep representation, you know, like I have been floored with the new adult YA because I have teenagers that are older. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the books that are open to my girl child that are, you know, representation and queer and beautiful. And I'm just like, look. Yeah. Look all these great yeah. books. And she's yeah. like, yes, I will read all of these. I'm like, great. Yeah, yeah yay. No, I, I do think that's so special too, especially for like the YA, like readers and like, you know, our, our teens coming up and stuff, because it's like, there was so little representation of that when we were growing up. And, and you're so right. Like within the past five years, we've seen a huge transformation. And I just hope it like keeps exploding in that direction and everything because it, it matters. It makes such yeah. a difference. We're, we are, we have come so far just in the, since in the nineties, when I started reading romance, you know, yeah. and yeah. I know that, you know, covers everybody kind of currently the big topic is covers and muted covers oh. versus yeah. chest covers. And I like uh-huh. the chest covers, but I actually had, um, a Latinx friend mm-hmm. who said to me, Hey, you're a white woman <laughs> that lives in a small town and you sit in a position of privilege. Mm. not everyone lives that life and I was mm-hmm. like oh you're right I don't have dominating men in my life I yeah. don't live in a you know my community is not you know I mean I live in a conservative yeah. community it's Ohio people um yeah. but nobody's judging what I read yeah they're not yeah. but I know that you know we have listeners in South America and mm-hmm. you know even some listeners over like in Europe that they need yeah. the muted covers because yeah. of 
cultural reasons. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I just, you know, I have to, I have to check my privilege a little bit sometimes. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's such a nuanced thing too. And like, it, it, it's hard to rec. I mean, it's honestly hard to recognize until you're, you're really called to, to check on it and stuff like that. And that's yeah. why it's so like important to be open to that too, because, you know, it can be really easy to get caught up in like the minutia of it and everything. And, but yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> yep. I just, and that's okay. Feel free to check me in my privilege. Cause you know, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> while I might be in my forties, I, uh, you know, I sometimes I need to learn things. I, yeah. I now have to ask my child. I, I often ask my child now, how am I supposed to do this? And what does this mean? Cause <laughs> I'm a child of the nineties. We don't know anything. <laughs> I'm such a gen. I am such the stereotypical Gen Xer, really. Honestly, <laughs> like, well, I'm starting to like learn that I'm like the stereotypical millennial too, and I'm like, oh my god, like, look at all these flaws. I didn't even realize <laughs> we used to be the cool generation, and like, what am I doing now? Yeah, no, um, we're Gen Xers are still the coolest. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> I'll sure. I, I believe you. <laughs> sure we are, right? Um, so, okay. So this is Harper and Dan's story. And they are surgical dental students. So they're oral mm -hmm. surgery, which is mm -hmm. even harder than, yeah. like, it's next step. I mean, I will have to send it to you on Instagram. My son, when he was going through his uh, liver transplant, yeah. uh process we had to have some teeth removed um because mm -hmm. it's just one of the bad things yeah. about vitamin absorption with liver disease and stuff like that mm -hmm. and we walk into a dental um into a oral dental surgery room where he's having gonna have these teeth removed and i kid you not three of the hottest hottest oral surgeon walk yep. in the room a hundred percent believe it not a so question. freaking yeah. hot like yeah. i'm like on the slide trying to take their pictures and i'm like <laughs> Um, does anybody need any teeth removed? My husband's like, stop it. Like, your kid's having surgery and you're like, oh my God, we have to find, we have to grab the simple joys, you know? I'm like, I still, like, every time that comes up in my memories, like, it was a very stressful thing. Like, we were going I'm to sure. Cleveland, two and a yeah. half hour drive to Cleveland, three times a week. Yeah. And honestly, that is like the joy. <laughs> So I, when I, I pictured Dan, I was like, yeah, he's hot. I know. Yeah, you get it. You get it. Like, yeah. So honestly, dentistry isn't sexy until it's very sexy, right? right? Like it's like such an unsexy profession, but then you get a hot dentist and all bets are off. And like <laughs> They're exactly. And I don't know what it was, what they're feeding the oral surgeon fellows, <laughs> no. but no, hot damn. Yeah. I'm just saying Damn, there's something about them. <laughs> is it the fluoride? Is it? Is it I guess. Yeah, it's the fluoride. We'll, we'll say it's the fluoride. <laughs> um, so, okay. So Dan and Harper and oral surgery residencies are not easy. Like yeah. no medical residency is easy, mm -hmm. but those are hard to get and hard to get into. Yeah. So yeah. what inspired you to put their story within that first year timeframe? Cause also 
they're they're year one right year one residents yeah well so so harper is an oral surgery hopeful so she's applying for the residency and then dan is just like a first year dental student um and so harper has like this very big goal of of going on and doing you know the the oral surgery residency and like I mean, seriously, like kudos to oral surgeons, because that is so much work. Um, They have to do an additional like four to six years after dental school. Um, And I thought I I, like being in in the dental school world and everything. um, I just I recognize like what a dichotomy there was between um, how many like women versus men go into that specialty um, in a lot of ways where there's like uh, a lot of patriarchy in the specialty and then a lot of internalized um, misogyny from the women that are in the oral surgery specialty and so I just I I really wanted to look at kind of Harper um, kind of like tackling that in a way that allowed her to feel very powerful and like empowered in her journey um, but also look at like the realism of 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 the sexism that comes with that it yeah, it was very well done, and I highly encourage everyone to pick up a copy. Um, I think it. I think it's a side of, you know, we get medical romances, and I read several of them. Uh, one of my favorite authors, she has a series right now that she's doing five brothers that are all like high end specialty doctors, and they're sexy and they're great. But um, you go doing it as residents and in the dental like school type thing. It's not something we always see. And it was a little eye-opening. And it also creates angst within the world, but not necessarily between the couple. Because I don't love Mm -hmm. high angst couples. But the outside influences of angst. Because, you know, higher ed, next level, you know, post-grad work, that is not easy. It's not (laughs) It sucks. It like it honestly sucks so hard. <laughs> like I I'm sorry. I like I wish I could like no. spin that in a positive way, but it just sucks so bad. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I, I I think I wanted to like kind of ex- because okay, honestly too, it was like minorly vindictive because dentists are the butt of so many jokes where it's like, oh, you're not a real doctor and like all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, you MF are like, I went through so much to get this degree. Um, and, and I think and it's yeah, harder I, to get into dental school than it is into just regular medical school. It is. I, I don't. Yeah, it, it truly is like the, the acceptance rate is lower and like, I, yeah, I won't get into that too much, but yeah, it's, it's very, very challenging. And it's weird too, because like we do the, so medical school has like a four year curriculum and then they do their residency where they're actually like getting their clinical experience. Um, but we do that four year curriculum in, in two years. And then the remaining two years are treating patients and like, and doing that hands-on stuff. So it, it's, it's different. Um, and it's really, it really is very hard. Um, and, but yeah, I thought like, I, I just wanted to explore this world. And like, in a lot of ways, um, when you're actually in dental school, your world becomes very small, right? So like, um, the people that I knew and the people I interacted with outside of my 
partner were dental students. And so I, I just like, I got so sick of talking about teeth a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but I, I remember being like, I want to see something kind of like reflective of my world in, in what I was reading. So I was, again, I was reading so many romances. Um, and so Barnes and Noble was doing like, um, ask us for a recommendation thing on Instagram. And I just said like a book in dental school or about dentists and they damn man, they were like, no one on our team could think of anything. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess this is like a weird niche that I can maybe fill if anybody's interested. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just yeah. like, it was, it was kind of fun and cathartic to see these characters really winning in a lot of ways in this yeah. uh, program that I felt like such a loser in and so many things. <laughs> I'm not a loser. A loser. Emotional you loser. Got, but you got into dental school. I yeah. have heard stories from parents, from friends that kids have applied for dental school. It took like three rounds. And then they ended yeah. up going to like medical school because they could finally get in. One guy I know tried like to apply to like three different dental schools for two years. He never got in. He went to law school. Now he's a lawyer. I mean... I love it. So, I mean, it's not easy. You no. like did, I mean, and I think it's great. And A Brush with Love is phenomenal. And everybody should go ahead and grab the copy of that because it's out now when this episode drops. Okay, Maisie. So what what can we expect next from you? Oh my God, a lot of fun stuff. Um, okay, so the second book is coming out September 6th of this year. Um uh -huh. Yeah, and it's in the same universe, um, Lizzie Blake's Best Mistake, so it's one of Harper's best friends, um, she, she's not a dental student, she's a baker, um, she gets roped into an underground erotic baking scheme, um, and <laughs> just like, sometimes I'm like, I reread the manuscript and I'm like, I can't believe they let me get away with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was so fun. And like, she really, instead of like the fat, you know, instead of like phallic cakes and stuff, she really leans into the yonic. So she has like croissant shaped like vulvas and like macarons with, with areolas on them and stuff. Like it, I had my search history, like was so <laughs> obscene basically at this point. And, but I was like, so immune to it. I was like, oh my God, I, I shouldn't be doing this in public, but I was in like, you know, a cafe, like Googling like butt cakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so that one is super, super fun. She has ADHD. So, um, you know, there's that rep in it. Um, and then after that, there's one more book in the um, Brush universe. And that should be coming out uh, spring of 2023. And then, like I said, my YA, um, my young adult novel is coming out in the summer, um, which is just a series of meat disasters where these two like enemies to lovers um, or enemies to dating. I don't know. <laughs> you say lovers for why? I don't know. But um, they're like traveling across Europe and um, the, the heroine has ADHD and the hero is autistic. And they just like really learn to embrace each other and, and stuff like that. And so I had so much fun with that. And then uh, I have a queer uh, rom-com coming out fall of 2023. So a lot on the docket. <laughs> Well, it's exciting because you've waited so long to get there. So yeah. it's really yeah. exciting that you are going to see a little bit more movement, yeah. a little faster move. Yeah. So 
it's exciting. Um, Maisie, thank you so much for giving your time and joining us for this episode. I was really honored that you were willing to come on and oh. chat with us. And thank you for having me. You're the sweetest. I, I loved this. I thought it was you. you you're the best host. So I oh, just really well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and again, you guys, you can get a brush with love wherever you buy books. It is in wide distribution. So thank you. I really enjoyed chatting with Maisie and I hope you all will give her book a chance. A Brush with Love. It is now available wherever you purchase books. Um, So it is that time of the week for me to give you my book of the week rep. Um, The book that I am wrecking this week is Fiera by T.L. Swan. It was released on February 28th. It is available in Kindle Unlimited. It is a follow-up to her book, The Italian. I read this as a standalone. I have not read The Italian yet. Um, It was sexy and bonkers and just what I have come to love from T.L. Swan. It's a little bit of the forbidden and is also mafia second chance romance. So uh, that is Fiera by T.L. Swan. And it is available in Kindle Unlimited. So our Discord books discussion for our first one in March is we are talking about We Are Made of Moments by Molly McLean. And we're doing that on March 9th in the Contemporary Discord channel. Um, You can find details on how to join us at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash events. And for the podcast, our March Quickshot Buddy Read, we are reading Fighting for Us by Claire Kingsley. Now, this is book two in the Bailey Brothers series, but book one is a novella that leads into this book. And I've been told it's not necessary to read the novella to read book two. Um, But any thoughts and voice memos that you have on that story can be emailed to us, thebees at bookcaseandcoffee.com by March 12th. Um, huge thank you and shout out and welcome to new Patreon members, Karen F, EE, and Jen Ellen. We appreciate your support to our Patreon campaign and look forward to having you joining us for future events. Um, so right now we are a hundred percent funded by our Patreon campaign and we have four open tiers. They start as low as $5 a month, include All tiers include membership to Drunk Book Club and other exclusive content. We also have our Another Round making a return on March 20th. Uh, Duchess Katie and I, along with Lady Sadie and Leah, I think, will be sitting down via a YouTube live stream. And we are going to discuss The Viscount Who Loved Me by Julia Quinn in prep for season two of Bridgington coming to Netflix at the end of that week, I think like the 25th of March. Um, So we have also, we have our goals listed on Patreon and we are sitting currently at like 33 uh, Patreon members. And one of our goals is to reach 40 Patreon members and we will have another one of our epic giveaways. Our big goal for Patreon is 500 Patreon members. So you can check those out all at patreon.com slash bookcase and coffee. Uh, March Drunk Book Club 
is the 19th. We meet via Zoom. It's a 100% virtual book club. And for March, which this is like the perfect book, we are reading A Very Vegas St. Patrick's Day by Kaylee Loring and Connor Kress. Um, Again, Vegas and St. Patrick's Day on March 19th, we can all be drinking green beer together or grasshoppers. I do like a good grasshopper. Um, Kaylee will be joining us that night. And if you're interested in joining us, you can find out details on how to join Drunk Book Club at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash drunk book club. And March. So this episode drops March 6th. March is our last month for our new to you author challenge. And you can join us at any time. You don't have to have participated in January, February, just you can go on over to our website and it is linked at the top of our website and you can find out all the details on how to join us for that. We're encouraging everyone to try at least two new authors each month and there will be prizes given at the end of March. So join us over there for that. Um, Next time we, uh, Leah will be back and we are doing a new type of episode for you guys. Um, Leah and I are doing what we call trope talks. We are going to talk about two of our most favorite tropes, and that'll be fake relationship and one night stand. We will share with you what we expect. Typically, we, we what we would expect out of these stories and kind of, um, you know, some of the things that maybe we don't like within those tropes that happens. And we will, of course, be sharing our favorite reads within those tropes. So you will definitely want to tune in and uh, help your TBR expand because, you know, that's what we do. Um, Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. Until next time, happy reading. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 